Hey friends, welcome back to the Diving Deep podcast with Between Two Clouds. I'm your host, Matthew Hahn, our co-host, Scott Kowalchuk at ghostwriterx.com, and our guest today is Zainab Balak. Zainab is a powerful, powerful woman, Muslim-American, just ran for mayor of Raleigh, unfortunately lost, but they accomplished a lot of things, her and her campaign. I got a lot of young people to vote. That's a big thing that we need to change, and they are hoping to do. She runs a movement called the Young Americans Protest, YAP, uh, which is doing a lot of good things in that direction. You know, getting younger people to get involved with stuff and you know craft the world that they want to live in. And she's a delight to talk to. Very genuine. You know, when you talk to her one on one, it's not just all politics. You know, she's a real person, really engaging with you and really caring about stuff. And she was always she was always a delight to talk to each time I've talked to her. So I was pretty excited to have her on the podcast. I think it was a really good one. Uh, it wasn't the grooviest one for me, but uh, Scott and Zainab were, were really wonderful. So I hope you enjoy it, and I will talk to you again soon. Guest for today is Zainab or Zainab, right? Zainab. Zainab. Uh, she was recently a mayoral can- mayoral candidate for Raleigh, and uh, let's not say lost. She was third in line to win. Fourth. All right. Like, uh, oh, guess, oh, yes. Okay. Third, let's go third yeah. in line. Because one person did win. Yeah, you you don't you don't you, it's fine you don't third in line is you don't count the first one, right? Makes sense. It just it's more it's positive. Not, yeah. I think I don't know. Thanks. <laughs> All right, cool. So we were talking for a good bit of just about a like it was chaos, like living in chaos, and then when that's not your choice, valuing like the silence a lot more. Uh, that's something I personally. Don't know how to manage. I uh, like seek chaos, and I want to go to chaos. I'm like, wow, I could really be at home sleeping right now. <laughs> that would be really nice. But then I wake up, I'm like, oh, I have to go back out in the chaos, and I don't know how to manage that personally. But with with you, it, it like almost has to be chaos to get through that, since you're involved in so many realms. Like a vote is a vote from whatever sector it comes from. Is there any way where you manage like which chaos to jump into and which chaos you don't? It's exactly what I'm trying to figure out right now. So I'll let you know in two weeks. Um, no, I honestly, like I, I just went through a process of like figuring out, um, like there's a process for goals and like vision and figuring out what you want to do in life. And so I just kind of created my own mission and vision statement and like just center what I want to do next around that and see if it kind of hits in with, the goals that I want um, to do. But I mean, sometimes I choose chaoses just by like gut feelings um, it or like which doors the universe opens or based off like praying and trying to get guidance. Um, so where, where, do you, where do you find guidance from? That's always that's always one that I'm trying like I try to 
map out as many directions as I can and then see which one I guide toward naturally. Mm-hmm. Where do you seek that one? I mean, I I grew up Muslim and yeah. I think uh, prayer and just mm-hmm. like speaking and like meditating and praying and like asking God for things right. or like walking through them was a huge part. Um, as I grew older, um, doing things like meditating, yeah. being able to just reflect on thoughts, journaling, um, as well as just like feeling, um, taking, figuring out like what you're learning from each situation right. and like kind of going from there. Cause even bad situations, I'm like, all right, this is <laughs> why this happened because I had to learn this aspect or something. Do you ever, um, I had one idea presented to me once, which is the, um, that lesson will always represent itself. If you haven't learned what you needed to from it. Do you like, cause you've kind of done this very, you've, you've been in this very public sector for the last, I don't know how long did this camp, how long did the campaigning last? I'm not from here. I just like to point that out every single time. I'm not from um, here. I'd say we started like actively last December. Right. Yeah. So like 10, 11 months. Yes. And, and you're saying actively. So when I hear actively, there was work done before that. That's when you were like, oh, here's the reins. We got to do this versus we're doing some things. So yeah. you, were, you were doing stuff well before that then, I imagine. Oh, yeah. Since, since I ran in 2017... It is yeah. just been go, go, go. <laughs> so is like the goal is obviously to win. Like if you win, that's the goal of running. Mm-hmm. But I imagine like understanding how politics currently are, that there is also like a, an intertwined goal where like I think you said prior to us turning the mics on that you guys increased, potentially had an increase of like 3% of voter turnout. Mm-hmm. Is do you have like multiple goals that it's like, hey, if we don't win, if we create this impact, that's also part of what we're doing. Like while while campaigning, is yeah. there a like specific? Expound if you want to. Don't expound if you want yeah, to. Yeah, no. I mean, I think w- the one of the main goals was to increase not only v- voter turnout but people engaged in local politics, um, and that was actually our biggest goal because our demographic was never our current voter base. It was bringing in new voters. And we did achieve that. And at first, like, obviously, no one runs a race to lose. So it is always a disappointment. But then, like, once we start realizing and figuring out, like, what we actually accomplished, um, I mean, we made history. And no one has ever done that before. So I'm pretty proud of what we did. When when you – so I had had a conversation today that I wanted to kind of – bring into it and I won't, I won't i won't talk about the conversation mm-hmm. i'm just curious about you you um within your campaign you said you know your demographic was something very specific that wasn't that i guess hadn't been present prior to um how did you isolate that and how did you like how did you factor that in from the get-go of like this is this is the thing that i don't see that's what i want yeah i mean raleigh is a very young city its median age is 32 and a half um the number of people who voted in is has, it really yes god damn I'm yes old it man. is it, there's almost a hundred thousand college students our council's average age was like 64 or something and then the average voter age was 60 and so young people just didn't vote like in 2015 um only like 450 people voted between the ages of 18 and 24 um it is extremely low, um, especially when there's almost 100,000 college students. So the 
the power and being able to shift the election lies in the young people in this city. Um, and so it's just going to take time to like reach them and motivate and really understand of how big of an impact it could have. Did you incorporate a skateboard or anything into your, <laughs> into your campaign? Like you skateboard out onto the uh, debate. Do you debate bait? I don't know. No one wanted to debate. There was a candidate, there were candidate forums, but like, I wanted like an actual debate. Like people get mad if you like tried to debate. They're like, this isn't a debate. I'm like, well, oh, it should be. I mean, that's, that's something I run into. Even, even if I do, I'm not trying to win an election. I'm just trying to like grow a brain where people actually give a shit. Like just, just the fact that I'm trying to do something that's like honest, the, people are so weirded out about it. Like the fact that they're, when they learn more about it, there's not like scummy business practices. There's not something they can latch onto and be like, oh, this is the problem here. They get freaked out. Whereas, like an actual conversation that could go go somewhere and actually create a change or a shift in how people look at things would be an odd thing for people to try to grasp onto. Mm-hmm. But I do think I have a solution for getting college kids to go <laughs> vote. Uh, I think Free I think beer. what we do is next time you go campaign is uh, I'll be your party manager. <laughs> I'll throw you a wicked wicked party, and how you get into it is you have to go and vote, and just we just raise enough money to get enough good artists that they're like yeah i want to go to that it's like well you have to go vote that's the that's the thing yep like that's your ticket in or it's like a 50 dollar ticket <laughs> i'll hold you to that i like that he's putting you on the spot right now to actually commit and sign a contract <laughs> no he said he would throw it so right. i yeah. you know yeah if you're doing it <laughs> So now that now that it's now that it's all done, mm-hmm. um, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. It's you, you, you're in this sort of space of just calm, and the calm may not. You, you were saying the calm may not feel as calm as one would think it is. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot there, there's a lot of um, energy mm-hmm. still happening after that. Yeah, and I think we we were talking, and I um, I think we got interrupted with Matthew just being Matthew. <laughs> Um, but what do you do with that energy? Cause it's still like the, the, the energy that you put into that is still within you, I would imagine. Yeah. It's figuring out where to direct that energy. So I feel like right now I'm holding some of it in cause I know that I have to make decisions on where to, what, what exactly to do next. Mm. Um, and kind of make the hard decisions of like, if I choose to go this route, then, knowing what the consequences of that is, right? Like here it's like, all right, one way is going political, you know, building relationships. The other is these issues still exist Mm. and we have to organize around them, which is a very politically hard way to go. (laughs) Um, But I think like I'm pretty, I'm pretty like sure of what like, 99% 99% sure of what I'm going to do. Yeah. I just like know that right now it's calm because I'm like, all right, it's just going to be really hard the next couple of years. So I'm just going to wait and ease into it. <laughs> See, I, I like that because that's, that's patience, right? Like yeah. that, that, that's patience knowing that you have to, like you have to build up that energy to run mm-hmm. the next marathon. You have to carbo load. Yeah. Carbo? Carb load. I don't know what a carbo is. We just made a new word. Carbohydrate. That's okay. Carbo. <laughs> Well, carbs don't, aren't always good. For don't you. do that. Uh, don't do I'm that. I'm not eating carbs right now. <laughs> do you having? So you really you're just going like full like bear comatose right now, like no carbs, no nothing, just chill out. What is bear comatose? You know, you know how bears bears eat a lot of like fish protein and then just sleep. They just hibernate. That's it. 
Okay. Hibernate yes. for the next month. I mean, like, I didn't eat carbs today. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think that, um, do you feel like your transition point now is, you were saying that you kind of know what to do. Is it still within the political realm or is like the change that you're, you're hoping to um, activate within the community? Is it something that's political or is it something, is it something that you can do on sort of a more community one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. individual or, you know, sort of larger group basis? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think everything is political um, mm. just because everything that we live in is impacted some way by policy or leaders or going through some type of um, political notion. Uh, for me, I think the tough part is um, a lot of times during the campaign, I was looked up as aggressive. Um, and I mean, there's definitely a part of that that comes with being a female um, and just like being direct. And uh, if I mean, there were males saying a lot of the same stuff I was yeah. and it just wasn't taken the same way. Um, and so it was like, you know, building on that or. Yeah deciding to like you know work on doing stuff internally yeah. um and so for me i founded a 501c4 um called young americans protest called yap and um the idea was for like young people to bear witness to the local policy decisions around them through both voting and uh, unapologetic action and i think for me right now is i'm gonna kind of take the reins back and mm -hmm. like planned um, more using technology as well as using technology to drive community organizing. Um, but starting that with like local organizing versus like national issues. Hmm. When, when you said, I'm going to take it back just like a sentence. Yeah. When you said um, you were perceived as aggressive, mm -hmm. was that, um, was that was that an honest version of you or was that uh was that a conscious decision on how you kind of presented yourself within the form that you had to present yourself within i don't i don't think i look at my <laughs> i don't think i'm aggressive yeah. um and i didn't think that i was being aggressive in especially in those situations i think i was making people uncomfortable and instead of uh hone, like Everything I was saying was true, right? Like none of it was untrue, but I was, you know, calling people out. Um, you're calling out luxury real estate developers, politicians that do have back-end deals and uh, that it wasn't easy to do that. It was mm -hmm. definitely uncomfortable, um, but I think it just was dispelling this image that people had of Raleigh and, you know, I had that same image and then yeah. it was broken. And so I know that feeling. But I also know that it's necessary if we want to make this city that's actually for everyone. So, so when you when you um, when you presented it in that way, like, did you uh, see? I'm kind of I'm I'm curious. Like, did did you feel like that was the way that you had to present it? Like, were you compelled to do it that way? Because I'm like I'm just I've had those instances where I myself like I'm not an I'm not an aggressive person, maybe direct. But there are those instances where you have to be a little bit louder. And I, I'm always surprised when you, when the reaction to that is that of negativity or um, um, dem um, diminishing the mm -hmm. person for it. Because sometimes it's the only way that it's the, some, it's the way some people communicate. Yeah. Um, I think with the 
voter demographic that we were targeting, which was younger people and people not part of the voting process before, it was strong, resilient, and inspiring. But when I brought in the like inspiring and humorous aspect that is my natural self into the political realm of the current voter date, um, voter base and like what the media was actually covering. Um, it, a lot of people didn't take me as seriously because, um, I didn't really show, I guess like my natural self is very like high energy. Like I'm just like kind of free and like that doesn't always equate to like intelligence or like credibility. And so, I did midway in the campaign switch to more of a very direct and like, like I can, I, I am ready for this job because I'm strong enough to take it in a sense. Something that the, I'm glad that you pulled back and was talking about the aggressive thing. Mm-hmm. Cause I've dealt with that too, where people that are around me that stick around, like I, I have a good group of people that are involved with a lot of things that I do. And those people are definitely inspired by what I do. That's why they're around. But then there's people that are not around specifically, that are not in that neutral area where they just don't care either way. But on the other side, like you're specifically against me or whatever I'm doing, is I've been called aggressive by those people very specifically, but I've never been called aggressive by any other group because I'm a little bit more direct too. And I'm a little more like accountability, like you were calling out accountability. Mm-hmm. Like uh, you had this image of how Raleigh is and you realize, oh, that's actually not true. Uh, this is why it's not true. This is something we need to address, which is I I believe I've experienced that in some capacity, and then aggressive was the word that came up for me too. Uh, I don't think there's any other specific adjective that they used. So maybe it's just like a, I don't know, maybe a guess on my end. Maybe it's like something people go to where they don't know how to deal with something presented to them. Maybe it's like they feel like they're being attacked or something in a way that usually they're protected. Yeah. I mean, I also think one thing I did learn was that I can say it in a different way, right? Like, I, there's a way, and you learn it because there's techniques, people do research on this, you learn about this, that I could make that same point um, in a way that didn't seem attacking. Mm-hmm. However, since we knew we were, like, you know, I had a chance to spread a message. I had to spread the message and I haven't learned all the techniques of the public speaking realm yet, but I plan to um, and learn more about that aspect. But at that point, it was just a naturally uh, sassy attitude came to me. <laughs> yeah, I learned that package, how you package something is really important. Like yeah. the product, because obviously the product inside is not going to change. You just need to package it in a way that might be more accessible for people, which I, yeah. I struggle with for sure. Did you find that, um, I think it's interesting that, that 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 package or that box that you kind of had to, had to not necessarily learn to fit in, but had to sort of, it's like a costume you had to wear. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm guessing that, how, like, how did that feel? Like, was it an unnatural feeling, natural, or was it one of those of just learning? Uh no, I mean, like, I've been an activist. So, yeah. like, me being fierce and me being passionate is is my natural state. Yeah. But that's in those instances where, like, you know, you're protesting, you're talking, <laughs> right? And that's just how you should feel at that moment. Mm. But in the political realm, it's more like being able to be in that room and somehow speak to everyone. Um, uh. And the platform that we had 
um, just it just wasn't going to speak to everyone. Right. So it just, for me, came back to sending out the same message in every single room and just sticking true to the same message we had and not tailoring it to the room. And, yeah, there was a lot of people who did not like that. I've, I've caused a lot of storms. Um, I definitely know I'm relevant because everyone keeps talking about me. So uh, That's a good example. Good example. What's, so, like, what's... um. As again, foreigner here who can't vote or make any sort of difference, um, uh, what um, what waves did you see happen, sort of within the reaction to you just being you? Yeah, I mean, like we actually had like counselors refused um, to take money from a luxury real estate developer um, that we were talking about. Um, we had just news other news agencies pick up information that I put out about like one of my opponents um husband was the largest lobbyist for um the second largest private prison industry in America and um she had a fundraiser with Hillary Clinton so like we made that connection between um the private prison industry but yeah. like it specifically partners with ICE and they're like making a lot of more money because you know, we're locking off a lot more um, non-citizens and immigrants. And one of them is one of the worst ones is in North Carolina. And it was like internationally condemned for inadequate like health conditions and stuff. So that was brought up and then ended up being um, picked up by the activist networks, um, mm. specifically in the Latinx community. And now, you know, people organize. Yeah. So it just takes information to kind of like get out there. So I'm, I'm going to. Can I can I ask something completely off off that topic? Please, go it just ahead. it just popped it, it popped in my head from what we were talking about before. So you you've come down off of all of this, you're done with the election, um, and you said you like just kind of wanted to chill out a little bit. Um, so what what TV are you actually watching right now, just to kind of come back to you? I've not watched any TV. Nothing. Oh, I watched um I watched The Joker that. I went and watched the movie The Joker. Do you guys? I saw it. No. Yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> what, what I mean, I definitely should want to go watch another movie. I mean, it was a good movie. Yeah, I thought so. Too. It was a. It was a tough movie yeah. to watch. Um, I don't know if I'd watch it again. <laughs> That's maybe not the right one to come down off. It's of, definitely like, a major not. Um, but it was at Alamo, so it was like more about the experience. But like the so movie good. was just like so intense that it was like, oh man. Like, we gotta send some love out to the Alamo. I keep going back there. I haven't had a movie theater like that in my entire it's life. It's amazing. It's so amazing. Good God. What's their full name? Let's give them like a proper shout out. Alamo Draft House. Yes, Alamo Draft yeah. House off so, of Newburn. Newburn. Yeah. Yes. We both saw Joker there. It's wonderful. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's pretty cool. We may have been in the same theater. Who knows? I don't remember when I went on a Thursday. So how do you come down? How do you come down from all all of it? Because like, if you have to get back to you, and you have to get back to you, because like if you were wearing, if you were wearing, if you were wearing the presumption of having to deliver your message to people in sort of a, an accessible way. And that means like a holding in of the fierceness of you, mm-hmm. and I like I, I get it. Like, how do you how do you let her back out in a way that doesn't drain you for the next year, two years? 
It's the big question. Sorry, I'm sorry. I know, but it's great because I can just think about it now and not have to worry about it later. Um, I think definitely taking some time for myself, planning things out and like taking it slowly, but still knowing that like, um, honestly, like I legit yesterday just like whiteboarded my entire life <laughs> for one year and five years. And I like made goals for like personally, professionally, financially, politically, and like something else that I already forgot. But like, just systematically did it. I realized I need structure and for me that's what's what's needed and now I have a plan. I have a process and um my next part is finding two days to completely disconnect. <laughs> um but it's it does energize me. I am a disciplined person. I realized this campaign really showed me what's possible and what's possible and like the influence I can have because Politically being there and being able to shift the conversation of an entire election of a city um, is a huge thing. We've had the most progressive platform ever in city history. There's, We can't find one, but there's never even been a woman of color that ran for mayor in Raleigh in history. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. So, um, I mean, just running was a big deal. Yeah, I know, but no one wants to talk about the history. Like, everyone's just like... It's okay. I'm gonna write my own history. <laughs> oh yeah. my goodness! What a, what a good quote. If we like advertise the podcast, that's gonna be where we're gonna quote it. I'll write my own history. Watch the podcast. <laughs> You're right. I'm gonna start documenting and be like, "Here's my own history." Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, you're that'd right. Be fun. I mine would be very different than yours. <laughs> I think yours would be a little more inspiring. So the, the reason why that even came up is everybody has like a wild side. Like for me, I'm a lot of things are not a wild side. Uh, like I don't even date, so I I barely drink, I barely do any anything like that. But where I get wild is every now and again for certain DJ sets. Like I will get naked. Like that's a I don't know, and that's like something where everybody's a freak flag or some way they express that of just not giving a shit. Do you have anything that even if it's just like alone? Or you're just like, you don't have to, if it's like graphic, you don't have to do that. But <laughs> but that's like my thing. I, mean, I can talk about that. It's not like too crazy or anything. Uh, but that's like how I, I guess, go on that primal side of myself is doing a really just dirty DJ set and then getting naked for it. Basketball. Um, yeah. I play basketball and that's I'm awesome. a total like. like you're throwing hips. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if we can cuss here, so I'm not even going to use can, the word. For, but like, I'm I'm sure mean. Like, I'm very mean on the court, and um, <laughs> that's just kind of how it happens. And like, but like, you know, outside the court, I'm fine. Like, I don't, you know, right. whatever happens on the court stays on the court. But, right, but you need that. You need that like outlet of like, yeah. yo, I'm going to dominate the shit out of you. <laughs> I love, yeah, I've played basketball since I was a kid, so that is that's awesome. I've not played in a while. That's what I should do this week. Like we figured it out. Yeah, that's what. That's what I was thinking. I was like, that's how you get let down is you go back to your like primal roots. Like, where do I go when I'm just? I don't have to worry about being an asshole or not. Like, where do I feel safe to? Just like for me, like whenever I can play like really dark and grimy, like drum and bass or something. Whenever I get to do that, where I just know most people are not gonna like it, but it's fine because I'm allowed to do it here. That's where I get to explore. So it's yeah. funny that yours is basketball and throwing shoulders. There's like two. That's like one and another one is like literally just 
having a day with no structure like and just like I will spend hours like if I needed to just like exploring like just even downtown or something or talking to people like just not having any type of structure I'm a person who needs structure but I also like unstructured it's 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 all over the place what did you find was hard about the joker I'm going back to the Joker. I want to, I want to hear. So you, I, I'm guessing you've, you've seen things in the last year that are very, very unique and probably experienced and heard things that I would imagine only a politician could. Yeah. And that seems like a, a movie that has some charge behind it. Mm-hmm. What, what about it stood out for you sort of in relation to what you've experienced? I think like the actual story and like, the fact that like everyone has some type of battle that they're fighting mm-hmm. and that a lot of times people who society might like shun or not completely um, understand um, has gone through like trauma and troubles that we can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, however, like, you know, there's people who go through that and are a lot more resilient and, come out to a certain way but that doesn't mean that it's okay for people to go through those experiences right um and so it showed that the part that was really troubling was just you know all the blood and killing (laughs) um that was i mean just it was gruesome and like i don't think me personally i was the person who just covered my eyes i'm not gonna watch it like there's no reason for me to i already know what's about to happen um but it's it just does something to you. I think it normalizes certain things, and yeah. maybe something shouldn't always be on TV. But mm. yeah, I think it taught a very important lesson. Mm. Yeah, it seems like that lesson of violence right now is when we're getting in we're getting in doses where, like you touched on it, I think that that notion of the personal struggle mm-hmm. that you know he goes through and that each one of us kind of goes through, and it's sort of. I think we're, I think we're supposed to go through those struggles. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's the only way, I mean, no matter like, and it's hard to put them on a spectrum of like what's reasonable and what's unreasonable, mm-hmm. but it's like, you probably, you've probably interacted with some colorful people over the last year. Yeah. Um, like what is, what is, what have you, what have you gleaned as an unreasonable struggle or like reasonable struggle or what's, because like I, I think most of us kind of need those, but I don't know. It's an awkward question. I don't. I don't know if I completely understand it, but I think that like I as a person can't really like gauge other people's struggles. Right. Like everyone goes through a struggle, and while it might seem like, oh, okay, cool. If I went through that struggle, that's pretty easy no. versus right. what I'm dealing with. But like at it could be at the same impact or pain level that. Yeah anyone is facing so i think it's like not to diminish other struggles regardless of what that seems like to me um or like even if that's like oh like you know this is so much more unfair to me or Mm -hmm. something like that um but also just understanding the reasons that that exist and i think that's why i was like hit back to things like policies and data Mm -hmm. and just discrepancies um to not like negate other struggles but to show that some struggles need more uplifting there's something that popped in my mind and something i try to keep in mind it's combining two things one where you're saying like demonizing somebody not understanding they've been all through this trauma and that's why they did horrible things or 
in that realm is and then also combining the idea of like not under being able to fully understand what it might feel to that person even though it's like a small thing mm-hmm. like for me i'm i've been through some stuff so sometimes when i see other people going through things i'm it's like my immediate response is to roll my eyes and then there's other people that i understand i'm like wow that would be much harder than anything i've dealt with but then i belittle my own struggles and so that's something i try to keep a gauge of but something i've noticed was just an issue uh I don't know if there's any society that does this, but uh, that demonization coming from people that have gone through their struggles and gotten to a more successful place. Like the voice speaking out on the demonization of things, usually the bigger voice in the room, the bigger voice in the room being the more successful person. And the more successful person, having gone through everybody's gone through struggles, somehow they got through to become successful. So there was somebody that got like kind of the light of the situation versus nobody's listening to like that serial killer in prison. And of course they're not listening to him because they ended up being a serial killer even though everybody has an equal relationship to struggle. But the people that have the biggest voice, like if, uh, I don't know, Beyonce came out and said something about somebody, that message would be received and spread so vividly even though they're on the positive side of things. Like their struggles equated to what a beautiful, I guess, result to get to experience or have the option of choice to, if she wanted to be in the spotlight, she could. If she didn't want to, she could. Like, the fortunate ones are the ones with the voice when the people being demonized are the unfortunate ones because they didn't respond to their struggles in a way that was uh, made their life a choosing kind of life. Like, if you did something that's against society that doesn't reward you but could specifically get you in trouble or take away freedom from you. I think that's a massive problem is who we give a voice to. Uh, I feel like success and somebody's voice are always linked, well, even even if success isn't necessarily substance-based. Like uh, if, if you were to go and say something, and then again, Beyonce said something, even if she mm-hmm. knows nothing about politics, I, I don't know, mm-hmm. her voice gets heard mm-hmm. over yours every single time no matter what, and I feel like that's a massive issue is uh, people speaking for each other's struggles. Mm-hmm. Like uh, like somebody speaking for, let's, I don't know, like this is somebody, somebody gets sexually assaulted and there's another person that has not been. Them having a voice over that is kind of difficult. Like I guess like, like women's reproductive rights kind of thing. Like I guess men voting on that is kind of a tough one when they don't have the same struggle. But then how do you also get to the point to where you can say somebody has a valid voice in this space to be able to dictate that. I don't know. I, I'm trying to like narrow down what I'm trying to say about this. Like how do you, <laughs> so how do how you, do you validate give a voice? a voice? Or? or how do you validate a voice? Because like if Kanye says something, everybody listens, but he says a lot of crazy shit. <laughs> Whereas I can have a really good opinion, but only my people listen to me. Like how do how do we get voices that are unheard that don't match societal value but have great things to say in a position to say them without having to be massively successful in a very like direct way? I feel like that's a massive issue with the demonization of people. Yeah, I think the loudest voices are also the most uh, expensive for the people with the most money, um, and so I think that. Uh, that it comes with, like, if you're trying to 
from what I understand is like the people who aren't being heard, regardless of what that is, um, in order to be heard, either you have to have people who are successful, uplift those voices or go through like policy change and be able to get in a place of power success where your voice has to be heard. Um, and like, I'm not completely sure if I understood your question, but I, did I? Yeah, somewhat. It's more of, (laughs) it's like, uh, so for me, I struggle speak. I struggle speaking. And part of this podcast is really like almost therapy for me to be able to speak properly and then be able to hear myself and be like, oh, that's why how that wasn't presented. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I'm somebody that once people understand what I'm saying, they value it very highly. So I struggle to even get myself on that platform, that platform, which I'm kind of doing, which is why I'm using as an example that is somebody who wasn't heard, wasn't heard, wasn't heard. And then something happened. Like, I don't know, the kid's shooting up a school or something, but they're saying they needed help for a long time, which literally happened to some kid who went in with a gun and didn't plan to shoot anybody and shot a hole in a door specifically not to hit anybody so that they would help him because he said he needed help for months and nobody would give it to him and then they finally gave him help after that now this kid is in trouble the rest of his life Mm -hmm. like uh i I don't know the answer to this but i feel like that's a major issue is when people say things them being taken seriously and and heard for the validity of that as opposed to the validity the validity of somebody's platform like if somebody's already successful, they're already in a space, there's a lot of problems they don't have to register and deal with. There might be other problems they have to deal with, but they'll get heard and people will take it seriously versus some average Joe being like, hey, my body hurts or something. Or look, my brain hurts, my brain's not right, I need help with it. Uh, and that being taken seriously. And something that comes to mind with that is there's this guy in like Virginia, who's a teacher, that he got caught with like child pornography. Like that's... That's a harsh, a harsh topic. But then they found a tumor in his head. They removed the tumor, and then all those impulses went away for a while. And then he got back into it over time more and more and more, and then they go to check his head, and there's another tumor. So it's like, like that's a rough space to... How, how does that person speak out? How do we create a society? Like, we could do it through rising through the ranks, but not a lot of people can rise through the ranks. They have, like, issues that they couldn't really speak on, like how do we represent the people that can't speak for themselves and aren't going to be successful? Because anybody that is successful might, might not be able to even speak for those people. So how do we give that a voice outside of success? Because even like running for policy or creating policy is a result of success. Like it's a result of winning something and being successful and majority success too. Mm-hmm. So I that's I don't know the answer to it, but I feel like that's a difficult one to figure out. How do we approach that as a society is actually representing people that can't represent themselves because we can't represent somebody they can't represent themselves with somebody that they can't be reflected by. I don't know. It's just something that came up to mind. Yeah, I think it's um, stuff we ran. On with our campaign in terms of, you know, you can't create a city with for everyone without everyone at the table. So I think the first thing to even figuring out a solution to that is to get people, everyone at the table in order to bring up what we need to do. Because, like, I can't make solutions for people and I shouldn't. I shouldn't make solutions for people, especially people that I might not know about, I couldn't represent. You bring them to the table, you listen, and then you have experts there who can you know, uplift that message or work that 
through policy change, at least from the policy part of it. See that that's I I would imagine that's a complicated process to to undertake. You know, be the be the vessel for the the person who listens, but then create the um, create the structure around it of people who are. I guess accredited or educated enough or specialized, maybe specialized is a better word to then deal with that, but still have to glean their message enough to put it into some sort of actionable item. Cause I, I, I honestly like, like the fierce gal who's on the basketball court, like throwing <laughs> elbows. It's like, I want her, like I want her running the show. Yeah, and I think that's what it is, right? Like the person running shows should be the leader, right? Like they're the yeah. connector. They understand how to get people to collaborate and how to work together. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and like taking like for me, I would imagine, all right, get everyone at the table. We're actually listening and then you're collaborating that listening session with the experts or like, hey, this is what we heard. This is what we need to do and getting all the right people in the room together versus like, you know, just – limiting it i think the biggest lesson i've learned is the more people i talk to regardless of you know whether whatever views or life experiences we have um there's always something i can learn from someone and so sometimes i just keep asking the right questions until i'm like oh okay cool this is a topic we're both learning from and so it's just kind of where i've seen even ideas like I get so many ideas from people just by like talking to them. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Now that I know this, this other thing makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> is it seem? Is that? Does that seem like a natural progression within within all the? I guess the last year you could just really call growth more than anything. Like as much challenge as, as it's been. Like has that been? Has that been a growth point for you? Getting to see. I guess that's, I think, what I was getting at before when we were talking about Joker was, you know, getting to hear those different stories and sort of learn from each of them. Mm -hmm. Has that been, has that been um, a significant uh, curve and growth point for you in, in deciding your own, like, whiteboard plan, <laughs> plan of action? Yeah, it's, um, it's been very emotionally draining. Oh. Um, it is not easy because it's, the one aspect is that passion doesn't just come from anywhere. It definitely is fueled by the stories um, that I hear and listen to and read. But it also takes an emotional toll on you because you carry a lot of people's burdens. Mm. Um, and then also having that courage to you know, bring their burdens to the stage and tell other people about them and get other people to care. Um, but so I think the biggest growth factor I've had to do is emotionally get stronger mm. and figure out how to balance all of the different emotions that come from here. I think naturally I'm a more empathetic person. Right. So that's why like there's like on or offs for me. Like right. and there's not usually a middle ground. It's either like I'm everywhere or I'm like, you know, <laughs> mellow because I, I feel a lot. So I can't feel little. I either feel a lot. I feel nothing. Um, so it's just kind of how I've figured out how to navigate. What is that process? What has that process been of learning how to, of learning how to, um, 
find, I guess, I, I guess I think what you're talking about is balance, like finding something that's more balanced. Cause I, I, I don't think I'm dissimilar. Like I, I feel others emotions. Like when mm -hmm. somebody's mean, it's like, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand why you'd want somebody else to feel bad. And you're getting, you're being exposed to a wide spectrum, like a wide spectrum of people from different backgrounds, historically, generationally, socioeconomically. Mm -hmm. Um, but sort of like, because we, we always see like politicians within like popular culture and television movies and it's like you know commercial break comes and they're they're in bed it's like yeah. end of the day no big deal <laughs> but like you want you on the ground like in this space of campaigning and hearing stories for the first time and learning not only not only hearing them but learning them um understanding them in relation to yourself um what was that what was the, um what mechanisms did you learn to use to help just sort of protect you because at the end like yes you have to you have to create a platform and bring these these people's um message forward but you also have to protect yourself yeah um i think i've of i was always like trying to help everyone mm. i realized like that's not sustainable and so realizing the stories i was listening to was to listen and to learn and not act and my acting was running for office or trying mm. to create policy change oh. so really funneling it all towards one mission and realizing that like you know there's a whole system in place to why this is happening so while yes this is going to help right now it's not going to help in five days. Mm. Um, so I had to change my mindset on what help looked like and learn how to say no to things, um, which is still a lot thing I struggle with, but I've gotten a lot better than I, I was a year ago. Right. Yeah. So the, the, I guess the saying, the saying no comes from like, is that it, the, the learning how to say no, does that come from like a misalignment of, misalignment of goals or a misalignment of just maybe not being i don't know lack lack of like lack of middle ground i'm not i'm not even sure lack of time oh interesting <laughs> yeah i just i said yes to a lot of things and I, I really had to reprioritize my time and like what putting my effort into and what would have the largest impact are you very focused on raleigh or is raleigh the current focus like is do you have like a five you said you wrote your five-year plan down is that five-year plan a raleigh-based five-year plan like it's very like here local until thinking otherwise yep <laughs> that's the best answer let's someone so, else asked me the same thing today and i, I don't know how to expand on it yeah. um no I mean, yeah it's perfect so <laughs> is there anything specific like, did you grow up here mm -hmm. okay so for you it's you grew up here you go to school here as well yeah, I've never left. Okay. I'm a native. Well, that would, that would explain a lot with that. Yeah. <laughs> That's beautiful. Do you, th from living here, so all of us are transplants, everybody in this room other than you, mm -hmm. especially me and Scott. <laughs> uh, have you seen Raleigh grow in a direction that you think is a good direction? Uh, is it split? Like there's some things you're like, wow, that's beautiful. That's going in a direction other areas not. Uh, like, what do you? How do you feel about the direction it's heading in? I feel like you might have a really good opinion on that, given the information. Given, I just ran for office. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, I've grown up here my entire life. This place is always in my only home, um, and I felt growing up 
I really felt that feeling of like, you know, my parents being able to um, migrate here and be able to develop and build a life here. I'm the oldest of six kids. Um, they were able to have a small business, um, able to afford a home here. And now that I'm at an age where I'm trying to do the same things, it's just not possible for me. Um, and then the more I talk to people and recognizing that this city is not for everyone, um, like, you know, if I didn't have the security of my parents here, I couldn't call the city my home anymore. Mm. And just realizing that we have a lot of good people in Raleigh. We have a lot of potential. We have a lot of resources, but we're in this bubble of not realizing or feeling like we're immune to the national problems. Like, you know, our city is segregated. People get mad or uncomfortable by it. Like you should be uncomfortable about, <laughs> about it because it's segregated. And um, for us to just ignore that aspect um, and just make it part of the norm is not okay. And especially when we know the policies in place, that could keep cities segregated. Um, the fact that, you know, people are getting poorer, that we have more of a homeless population, that it's getting too expensive. It's not going in the right direction for people who aren't wealthy. Um, we're becoming a city for the wealthiest few, and that's not where I want to see my home go towards, at least. That's, uh, it's really interesting you said that. So even before like maybe an hour before you got here, me and Scott were talking about, uh, I guess, our experiences of Raleigh. And we both said that we felt a little bit more depressive since being here. I was trying to figure out why that was. And I think what we eventually agreed upon is that there's not like a cultural identity here. Hmm. It's all, it's so all over the place. Like you do see, there's like a massive like racial diversity here. Massive. Like Morrisville is, is mostly Indian. An entire town is like mostly mm -hmm one population of minority and that's beautiful and then you have durham which is like super culturally historically black and then we have a bunch of really good black colleges in the area or historically black colleges so like even racially it's crazy diverse but it doesn't feel mm. racially diverse with culture like with exceptions like maybe like transfer food hall is a good example of really trying to push that narrative uh but the identity is still not there like there's no there's nothing you can latch onto and be like that's what this is. Like New Orleans, you could think of like jazz music, like Cajun food, or like drinking, I guess. Uh, Charlotte, even, like there's more of an identity there. It was <laughs> kind of like yupp, yuppie uh, yoga centers and <laughs> ritz, ritzy downtown. Like the downtown is very specifically downtown, whereas downtown here is such a mix of everything. It's hard to like navigate and kind of latch on to something. You don't know what is... Raleigh. Can I transition to a question? Yeah. Okay, so as as transplants here and as native-born Raleigh, what how do you perceive uh, Raleigh identity? That strawberry, you take as long as that strawberry as you want. <laughs> I was want. like, yeah, let me, let me keep chewing. Um, <laughs> I mean, I was thinking about this when you were saying it, and like, I've heard that a lot, and I almost agreed with it, and then I thought about it, and I was like, I'm okay with not being known for like one or two things and that's specific to a certain culture and I think Raleigh's identity is its people mm. um I've asked a lot of people whenever they come to Raleigh like what's most unique about it and it was always the people I met the experiences I had yeah, the people I, I talked to and I think that is Raleigh's identity and I think that's what's being lost right now is we're pushing 
that the fact that like our city didn't pick one culture to uplift we we just have a lot of people and the more we get rid of that you know diversity in income class experiences race like you have less of that people identity that's such a good answer yeah that's like that yeah. that's legitimately how i feel about I canada sh- sh- i'm so yeah. glad this is recording <laughs> i've never yeah <laughs> so can canada's been pushing the notion of multiculturalism since the 1970s mm-hmm. so the notion of being canadian is something that none of us have really been able to define for years and it's yeah. because we have such a diversity of um, Im- immigrants and that Im- that immigration that's happened since the 1920s mm-hmm. has made for just a mix of everybody. Yeah. And that's not entirely dissimilar of what I've felt here. Up here. Up here. Right there. Yeah, just off the um, <laughs> and the one thing that I've noticed, so my girlfriend is black and that's been sort of getting to, I've been, uh, I've been exposed to a different side of, mm-hmm. you know, the cultural history of the United States and like going to Durham um, Durham, I find everybody told me, you know, I'm, I'm an artist, go to Durham, you'll love Durham. And I go to Durham and I feel like, I feel like everybody who's like me or like her is being priced out, priced out of Durham. So the identity of Durham, which used to be very, from what I'm told, very diverse is now becoming very homogenous. So that notion of Raleigh being, um, like a mix of everything and not being anything but an experience I really like as an answer. Yeah. Damn. It's probably true. Yeah. Which, and, which we kind of, we didn't say as beautifully as you did. I think we, we kind of got to that as I guess when you're here, you have to really be whatever you are. You have to kind of build your own reality mm-hmm. because there is no like one stable thing you can go to. Whereas yeah. like me, like most people wouldn't know that there's like a thriving techno scene here because I like DJ techno music. So I, mm-hmm. I would know. Other people wouldn't know. Sometimes, yeah, I didn't you know. realize you could do that. <laughs> well, it, you have to respect the environment. You have to pick pick certain places. There's a a group of people. So there's burners, like people who go to Burning Man, and in that community, I am a favorite by some of those folks. So whenever they do things now, they always reach out to me because I don't even want to get into that story. We're not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> there's a time and a place for everything. You can't just like go to a club and get it. If they have like a high enough bar and all that, nobody yeah. can see you. It depends. I, I try to let them know up front. Like, what is what's your regulation on this? Like, can I do this? Does it make sense? Have you ever tried like giving a speech? I don't speeches. What are those? A speech. Uh, this is I actually. I give speeches all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. Um, <laughs> I was trying to make it like funny but serious. It's not gonna work. So, but I have an actual question. You said before that nobody would debate. Mm-hmm. Nobody would just actually have a conversation and like pick apart different ideas, which I think is by far the best way to pick the best leader. It's like, yo, here's my idea. Let's talk about it. Let's, uh, yeah. I'm the, because the politician is the most knowledgeable of all of the information. Whereas, like me, if I hear about a platform, I can only know a little bit of it. I'm not going to know like how is it logistically going to be possible to make it work financially. Where is the money actually going? Where can the money actually leave from without disrupting an entire industry? Like I, I can't pick that apart. Maybe an economist can, but then the economist doesn't have like okay, what are the political connections underneath? What are the people that have like this person's partnered with this person and this person understanding what can actually happen, what movement can actually be made? So I feel like a debate would be one hundred percent the most important thing. Is like one politician with the information versus another politician with the information, picking apart each other's things and then 
I think potentially too, it could change that the politicians' platforms. If they come with like really good examples, and then the other person could be like, oh, wow, I should really implement that because that mm-hmm. is a better idea. So is there any way to do that if you don't have debates? I guess like just having coffee with a politician. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, it's not something that's been done in like Raleigh politics before, but I, I mean, it's a really interesting idea and maybe there's like a show for that or like a, you know, IGTV series. Like council is about to be very interesting um, the next two years. And um, I wish there was an opportunity to that they let us debate because I'd love to be able to I would have done great in debates. So, like, I was, like, mad. And I'd I'd be in forums and, like, people would get mad at me. They're like, remember, this isn't a debate. And I'm like, okay, fine. But, like, I mean, that's what it was. Like, pointing out things. You're like, well, this is wrong. If if it's not wrong, then you can defend it. Right. I Man, I would would love to see if I can make that happen. That would be so fun for me. Like, all right, let's get these... Let's get these big ballers in the room and have them yell at each other. Let's uh, let's see how that feels. Gosh, what would you do? What would you do differently with the institution of the way that um, of the way that the um, I guess the political system works here? Because if like if you if you're in it saying I'd rather debate than like have these what are they called here? St- forum? No, forums. Forums. Candidate forums. So like, was the was the process of it to you? effective or did or did you see sort of holes within it where it was just like boy you know what i could do this i this could be done better if we dropped tradition and did it this way yeah so i gave the same speech like 50 times yeah dude Um, i can't even imagine yeah and so like it was like eventually became great because like i was really good at it (laughs) but like it was like right we were just hitting the same demographic that always voted right right? like we didn't go to that many different audiences at least the ones that were formally planned without our candidates individually as a campaign we did a lot of events outside of the typical candidate forums like at like like you know music venues or like random shows or bars like just a lot of different things um but it was the same it was the same it was kind of sometimes I think I made it more difficult for candidates to where they had to prepare more Mm -hmm. um so that's where we came in but I was always the most progressive platform so for me I never really was challenged to go to the next actually no I I take that back I think as the campaign went on and candidates got bigger like a lot of our ideas were also talked about if they were good so I had to figure out you know what other avenues I could have an advantage on and talk about that other candidates weren't um so it definitely like definitely like still shots taken like there's a news observe article about um me (laughs) saying I took shots at a candidate because I said um you can't solve the same old problems with the same old politicians and like one of the politicians on the stage this was my closing was like (laughs) are you calling me old and I was like no I said old 
And then, like, I was like, but I mean, you've been on there for 10 years. <laughs> and then the news said that was aggressive. And it was How shy. is that aggressive? You just, it was a great moment, too. It was pretty funny. Um, say no, no, say no, grandpa. You're doing good. Yeah. It's not, you, no, it's fine. I mean, but like, your, when, your osteoporosis if you're older and you ask, am I old? Like, I mean, where do you want me to go if I say yeah? If I say yes, that's rude. If I say no, it's lying. Like, right. Oh my goodness. So this is, I've just realized in this moment that I will never be able to run for anything. Because <laughs> if that was me, I would, if somebody asked me that question, are you saying I'm old? It's like, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Like, I would, I would have just like owned that moment so heavily. I, I don't know. I don't know where I would have stopped. Like, uh, I, that's something I cannot deal with. It's like people just not owning their obvious things. Like if people don't own that they're, I don't know. A lot of people have like a insecurity with intelligence and it's hard to own if you're like, there's areas where it's taken me years to realize I'm an idiot in certain areas and I'm getting really good at it now. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Dude. Like there's certain times where friends will be like, Matt, chill. He just and put I'll, pants on before you got here. Like the whole time. <laughs> oh like, my goodness. Oh God. Not true, but yeah. usu- usually no true. Not here. true. Not <laughs> true this time. No, no, I'm big on like people being comfortable. Uh, but there's times where friends will be like, Matt, c- come on. And I'll think, I'll think for like half a second and be like, yeah, I'm being, I'm being an idiot. But most people just can't have that real realization with themselves. Like look in the mirror, like the fact that old triggered that person. I don't want that person running anything. I don't even want them getting my coffee. If they, if they can't understand that they are old, that's ridiculous. I empathize out of everything you've said, that's hit me the hardest. <laughs> God, yeah. That's a hard one for me to bite. Like what else are they not owning if that's the case? No wonder they can't relate to people. No wonder things are being sold out and income inequality is a thing if people can't even own like, yes, I am old or yes, this is what I am or yes, this is how things are. Like the fact that you said that there's never been a woman of color running for mayor at all, like not even a black woman, that's that's nuts. There's never been a woman of color on council. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And you ran for council too. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, did you, okay, so you didn't win mayoral thing. Are you on the council? No. No. I decided to run for mayor because after, like, being in the system, like, at first I ran because I was, like, about the issues and community organizing and, like, I was just bringing a new face to the game. Yeah. But after being in the political system and learning really, like, the the deep corruption of it, it was just, like, nobody else is – it was just an urgent need. And I also gotcha. felt like we could get out a message – in that space more than you could in that large space. So for somebody that doesn't have an inside scoop on things, um, I get a lot of inside scoop on businesses behind the scenes with like the events I do when it comes to like politics to me, a lot of times it seems like there's not as much power in politics due to the power of money and like corrupting politics and lobbyists, et cetera, where how much power is there really in politics? Like if you became mayor versus not becoming mayor, how much can you just do with autonomy? Like how much change can you really, really, really make? Like on a, I guess, practical level. As much as you want to and as much as you care. Um, I think that politics right now has a lot of power and that it, I mean, change with politics, good change, positive change with politics would be a lot faster than people change. Both are possible and both are, like necessary to keep each accountable but like i mean right now the people we have in office are just 
in general, nationally, locally, on the state level, are just, you know, part of the same political background, part of the same ideas, the same networks. Um, the problems we're facing, we've been facing for a while, and they've only gotten worse. So it, obviously, the politicians we have right now aren't able to fix them or aren't able to prioritize to fix them. Um, so I think politics has a lot of power um, and that there's a lot of good you could do if you prioritized like moral change over like, you know, gaining money or prestige or whatever else comes with it. How, you said something in there that I, I'm kind of interested in. Um, how, how do you, how would you perceive um, you said political change would probably make um, excessive amount of difference, but like individual, individual change? Like what, what could you see on an individual level, like across like everybody that would incite a change that would actually help, help community growth? I mean, maybe specifically Raleigh, like if you, like if you, if you, if you, if you know the community far better than any of us do, um, what could, what could each of us as an individual living within this community do, I guess, individually to help it? What, what's, what's something that everybody has access to that I guess are you talking about like in local politics in a way maybe just lo local like just local period yeah so what would you say if no, you could like, pick like one thing yeah what would you say is the one thing let's let's like keep it to Raleigh too let's not do it bigger than Raleigh sure. let's keep it to Raleigh if every Raleigh resident did X thing then a lot of the problems you talk about are, that are not being fixed would naturally be closer to that direction? Mm -hmm. I think just no. Like, people don't understand or know what local government is. They don't understand the impact that it has. I think the first thing to know is who your elected leaders are, and if you have some type of problem that you want to face, just write to them. <laughs> like, literally just send them an email. Like, we should be engaging. Huh? That actually, like, does something? Yes. You know, that's it's crazy the amount of people that just don't say anything. Like, only 11% of people vote. So, like, if you're... that's Yeah, that's a Oh, my God, that's a lot. Yeah, I mean, people... How many times have you emailed your representative? I'm not from here. Not, I mean, not in a productive <laughs> way. I've, I've done it once. And in retrospect, I was a younger and more immature person. Can I, can, I, mm -hmm. can I ask a question of that? You said the turnout's 11% and you got it up 3%? Yeah, that's crushing. We have to wait till after November for the um, for the numbers, but that's what we were told by like some data people Good Lord. from other campaigns. <laughs> so, who cares about an outcome? That's like Yeah. Like, I mean, if if we can show that, like I'm I'm like really excited to use that data. Oh yeah. Yeah. Did I I'm like for sure doing this. When is the next election? Is it in two years? 2021. If I'm still here, dude, I am doing that party thing. We are doing that party. Oh, yeah. oh my God. I'm going to blow that out of the water. I'm going to see if I can beat that 3% with a party. I'm sure. Dude, could you imagine? He's doing it again. He's getting that contract signed by the end of the show. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we got we got to do that. I'm I'm so on board. That'd be so fun. Yeah, with the right That'd be artists. so fun. With, yeah. I mean, if we reached out to the right people, Listen, they'd be like, like uh, I kept trying I'm to coming. tweet at J. Cole. <laughs> One day for 2021. I might, I might uh, know some people <laughs> that could make that one work. Yeah, we'll see. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try on my end. But if we just threw a f fucking rager, and it's like you couldn't go to this amazing event unless you in voted, I'm sure the numbers go up 
We have to make it like Hunger Games style, man. Get people really amped up about it. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> like with minus all the hunger. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the kill, you know. <laughs> the killing the and the uh, the fact that the caste system is literally not not going to change because of it, and it keeps the caste system in place. You've made that dark. Made that dark. Yeah, let's bring it back to light. We're gonna throw a nice party. Huh? Uh, uh, Speaking of parties, though, are you still? What would you like to say at the Halloween party? Oh yeah, I was gonna ask you about that. Um, You can do whatever you want, honestly. If if you wanted to get naked and sell speech, no, I'm I am not doing that. Um, (laughs) um, I was actually gonna ask. I was like, are you gonna be fully clothed there? Like, what's going on? Yes, yes. I only do that when it's like really in the right spaces. I'm really big on not making people uncomfortable for no reason. Yeah, consent. Yeah, consent. I mean, it's yeah. usually like at burner festivals where there other people are doing that. Yeah. So it's like I may as well join the crowd on that one. What are you dressing up as? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. trying to figure that out because like I want to dress – I like, like dressing up and I, you know, could definitely just do, you know, a cool costume. But then I'm like I want to make a political statement with my costume so I have not figured out what that is. I would okay. And so I know a good bit of the crowd coming to it. These are we have a lot of beautiful, beautiful folks come to this. So if you just dress up, they will respect I can't that. Do that. I'm, They'll respect I'm, that so much. I if I'm gonna dress up for Halloween, I have to make some type of political statement. It's I get for it. the it's, it's for life. the Instagram. Like it's for the gram. I get it. It is. I get you know. it. You're but just... it, it's very I'm usually like really good with it. Like last time I had like a dress and it was a newspaper and then it just said <laughs> fake. Um and so that's, it was fake news. That's actually really good. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I don't I don't know what I'm doing yet. It's like uh, one hundred percent more political significance. Yes, and you know, I I yeah. managed a lot of things. It's a good idea, but so for the party, I I don't. This is not gonna probably get released before then. That's okay. That's fine. Unless you need it to be released before then, we'll no, figure no, it out. No, no, no. What's the goal? Point. Like, what what are other people doing? Like, what's your goal of the party? Like, what should I so, try to figure out? So the goal of the party is to introduce uh, an entire platform. Uh, it's a platform I've thought about for a while. So between two clouds is. Like technically my artist moniker, but it's more a project. And the project is in short terms to make the world a happier, dancier place. And I think I figured out a way that, to make that happen. And it has a lot to do with individual accountability. Like there's I I'm not a fan of tribalism. Uh like I'm somebody where my own identity, like being a white male, did not work for me. Uh whereas I understand it does work, but at least with who I want to be and what I want to do with my life. Uh, it's not been something that served me, so I imagine there's other people out there. That, I mean, of course, there's other people out there that their identity, their outside identity has not served them. So I think to fix that is you just empower each person to be, like, really powerful, uh, like, internally and how they work and lack of insecurity and more knowledgeable and knowledgeable about life as opposed to, like, being a knowledgeable worker. So the whole brand is kind of geared towards that, and how people engage the best is – and most vulnerable is through fun. If people are having fun, then they'll be more vulnerable. Uh, if they feel good, they'll be more vulnerable. So then I try to engage in that space and make it really light and easy to engage with growing as a person and caring more. So Between Two Clouds and Friends is taking that project idea and making it a platform for where ideas can come from other people too and other projects too. Like they don't have to be in-house. Like we kind of have an in-house team and everybody... And this room is like part of that in-house team. So a lot of our ideas get expressed through between two clouds. 
but there's groups that are doing beautiful things too that I would love to work with, but wouldn't necessarily fully be on brand for Between Two Clouds. So Between Two Clouds and Friends is a platform that I'm building to make it where we can all work together for a common goal. Like if we did the party thing in two years, that would be Between Two Clouds and Friends thing. Uh, so this is the first Between Two Clouds and Friends event. So it's that idea, creating a foundation. It's mm -hmm. also 10% of the ticket sales go to Amazon Rainforest through Amazon Watch. Uh, but it's the idea of trying to bring a lot of beautiful people together with beautiful ideas and kind of see what happens. Just give the space. I'm not doing a lot of micromanagement. I'm like, here you go. Like the person running the costume contest, she had an idea. I, gave, I presented an idea. She's doing a totally different thing. I'm like, yeah, let's do that. Cool. Let's see how that plays out. And then just giving people the space to be involved and see how that goes. A platform for beautiful people. So that's mostly the idea. And I have a lot of fun. It's November 1st, right? Yeah, the day after Halloween. At 9? Yes. That's okay. in the main. It, like, doors open at 8. It'll be at okay, 9. Okay. Yeah. So, so just ride Halloween out for the full day. Yeah. Yes. Are you okay. a fan of stand-up comedy? I am a fan of comedy, yes. So oh, 9 you're is having when comedy starts. Com yeah. Yeah, the last comic, Aaron Ransom, who I... So I'm going to speak after comedians? Oh, yeah. Oh. Which is good, which is a good thing, because people are going to be open at that point. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, and the last comic, too, he's so... He's one of the funniest people on the planet. You can come out big, then. I mean, like, for real. You can come out, like, with big, not, like, political costs. You, just you don't have to be serious. And be that version of you. This is what I do. I'm setting you up for success here. Okay. Well, you can go up there and say anything, and you're gonna—they're gonna like it. Oh man, I don't know what to talk. I don't know. You don't, There's so many you're, whatever different. Whatever you want to, for real. I'm gonna give you like five minutes. Do you whatever you want to do with it? You could. I promise you, if you went up there now, it's not gonna be for everybody. If you went up there and just screamed to the top of your lungs for five <laughs> minutes, I'm a fan personally. Oh my God. A lot of my friends would also be like, "Oh my God, this is amazing." Some people will be thrown off by it. So genuinely, whatever you're feeling, you got the room. You could, I'm not going to even say that. You could do whatever you want. We'll give you a microphone and you could throw it. It's, I don't care. I will, I will speak. <laughs> <laughs> I will shower people with words. Yeah, that way, whatever you're feeling. I won't do anything drastic like you do. <laughs> I don't do anything drastic. Um. I don't know perspective. Perspective. Yeah, right? you might do something drastic. Who knows? Yeah. yeah whatever you're feeling, you could have changed by then. It's it's like two weeks, isn't it? Yeah. Dang, I, don't, yeah. I don't even know it's what the date time. is. That's a long time for growth. If you're trying. Do we throw Ryan yeah, let's do that. So I feel like we had a good combo here. So Ryan, do you think you have some questions? Oh shit, to... I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna pass the mic to Ryan Patrick. We're just gonna do our ending, uh, like little interview portion. Because he's so good at these things. So this is uh, me and Scott are going to sign off here. So this has been Matthew Hahn, uh, the creator of Between Two Clouds. And then we have had uh, Scott Kowalczyk, GhostwriterX.com, GhostwriterX Studios. Cool. And here are Ryan Patridge. <laughs> Did you say we are Ryan Patridge? Here we are. Oh, here we are. Okay, please, please say we are Ryan Patridge. We, <laughs> we are Ryan Patridge. <laughs> All right, um, Sanab, thank you so much for being here and sharing. Uh, that conversation was, um, it frequently went places that I wasn't expecting it to. 
and frequently did not go quite as far as I was hoping it would in those instances. So this is where I get to see. All right. Oh, nice. Um, maybe we'll see how much. So um, I love specifics just up front. That's one of the ways I try to prompt uh, mm -hmm. this deeper dive of sorts. And um, one thing that you said was a, a primary goal of your campaign this in this race was to engage younger voters, engage college students, especially. You cited the statistic, I think, you know, 450 college voters from back in what, 2015? Yeah. When there were like 100,000 college mm -hmm. students that were of age. Yeah. Um, so the, what I thought of was, I mean, I'm older than I look and people, people have been, <laughs> that's true. Um, people have been trying to engage young voters from I, what I thought of was uh, when M MTV partnered with Rock the Vote in like the 90s. And like it, trying to engage young voters has been a long issue. And it seems like it's just it seems almost like to me in my short, a long lifespan of um, it's just a persistent issue. Everyone's always saying we've got to find a way. We've got to find a way to get these, you know, to change things and get. I'm wondering, do you have any um, if you had access to more resources? Um, what are some ways you you yourself might approach this problem in ways that you think maybe haven't been tried or might effectively change it or something? Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, I think it's just been a lot of typical, I don't know, old candidates trying to engage young people. Um, I don't think the problem is young people wanting to be engaged. I think a lot of it is the candidates who have run and they're just not engaging and inspiring people. So I think number one, you have to have the right candidate. And then with money, just reach. Um, social media, I'm getting people engaged. Um, our social media was our biggest platform. It's how we got most people engaged. Um, but then also like just utilizing social media at places like going to spaces like you know i spoke at so many random music shows at 11 p.m and like you know weeknights and weekdays and just uh weekends and weeknights and it was it was interesting to see like i went to a punk concert yeah. i have never been to a punk concert before um and I spoke after their um, act. Everyone was so hype. And I was like, I'm about to go on here at 11 p.m. and somehow hype people up about local politics. But I realized, like like you said, like just speaking, being passionate about it, like, and people resonated because they, you understood them, you felt the same problems and you got people. So I think with the right candidate and with the right, like, making people feel like they have and they can do something about it. Um, and then with the money to expand that platform, it could bring in a lot of new voters. Gotcha. Thank you. That was very, very clear. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, let's see. So you mentioned your 501c4, YAP, Young Americans Protest. Protest. And the, one of the ways that you described it was unapologetically acting young young americans unapologetically acting mm -hmm. um so when you think of that phrase and concept what are one or two of the specific ways that you think of young americans acting unapologetically um for me i think of it as like whatever the issue is and whatever we want to accomplish we figure out the best way to go forward with it and based off of that um act or keep acting in ways until it's achieved. So like, for example, um, one of the things that I, you know, one of the things that we've been talking about is have getting a police accountability board. 
And, you know, first everyone's been trying to organize, meet with counselors, um, put this out there, continue to speak at meetings, et cetera. It's people aren't, we're not being heard. So the next action was, you know, getting into that council room and uh, actually, you know, interrupting the meeting and like forcing yourself to be heard. Um, and then after that, it was bringing posters there and just holding them up in front of the counselors' faces in the media while there. And like, still, that board has not been, you know, approved, and there's more measures being taken against it. But like, it's continuing to act and not like, you know, giving up on an issue. Or it could be people just signing a petition, or it could literally just be like a social media video explaining the issue and getting, you know, high schoolers to speak at the school board about it. Um, there's a lot of ways to make local change here, but the the biggest issue is we haven't been involved and we haven't been vocal. Nice. Yeah. Uh, you had at least four specific examples yeah. there of how to engage with young people and get them to act. So uh, that was great. Thank you. I, I just, again, <laughs> you I said specific in the beginning. I was like, let me keep, let me give examples. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, oh, all right. So one of the quotes that you said during the conversation I really liked, uh, you described yourself as being fierce and being passionate as your natural state. It's um, more or less what you said. What's one example from, you know, what, what comes to mind from your life of where your, you know, fierceness and passionate um, kind of, you know, came out? Oh, look at that memory. I can see it right now. She's oh my God. <laughs> no, there's, there's a lot. I think the most recent one, I know, I, I'm like, oh. <laughs> I mean, just like, honestly, just the most recent one was, um, I was downtown and I was just outside a coffee shop, you know, just minding my own business. I was not trying to like do anything. And then I look and there's like a bunch of cops and something's happening and I see them like slam someone to the ground and like handcuffing them. And I was like, I was like, oh man, like, do I go there? Like what? And so people were gathering and I was like, all right, I'm just going to go like stand there. I don't know what's up, but like, turns out, um. What was happening was they had handcuffed a, um, I believe he was like, we never figured out his age, but he looked like he was 16, 17. Um, and then they had maced him right after he handcuffed him. But what the problem was that like they put him in the police car, but he was like maced. So he was like literally like crying at the window, like for water and oh. like just, you know, like it was just a inhumane thing at that point and instead of just giving him water he put up the like window and the guy the kid was like banging on the like car door and I was like like what do we do at this point so I mean I started recording and I was just like hey like if we bring him water like will you give it to him and they're like no like we have to wait for the EMS and I'm like why like why can't give him water and then at that point like other people like stepped in and they also started saying the same thing and then the officers like you know what that helped in that instance was that at first the officer responded to me very like aggressively, but as soon as more people came in, it, it deescalated to the point where like, it was just, they weren't going to respond the same way. Um, but at the end of the day, they did not give him water. Um, and, uh, I went back and forth with the officer and the main argument was I've been pepper sprayed before. And I was like, <sighs> I can't do this. Um, and that was just harder to see because in that moment, I felt we didn't have any power. Um, and the power was just completely taken away. And on top of that, that power was used to be inhumane. And that's what was wrong with that situation. It wasn't that the cops were, you know, 
whatever happened in that instance. It's not that, you know, they thought they were doing their job, which became just an issue of morality versus they, you could, he could have still been handcuffed. He could have still been in that car. You could have just gave him water. Right. That was like, I that was don't like know. the one space where that's very easily could have been a thing. Like even, even macing him is like that. Maybe that was protocol, mm-hmm. but not going that extra step and being like, okay, now that you are safe, you're not going to be able to harm anybody. Let's treat you like you're a person. Yeah. That was loss. Completely. I, um, thank you for sharing that. I was going to, uh, when you said, uh, I'm just going to give the latest example. I felt like that was almost a crutch to avoid maybe some of the more interesting or past ones, but then you gave this like killer, just real world anecdote that was um, very compelling. And I, I, now I don't want to ask <laughs> what, what all the other ones that you were thinking of when I was asking it. Cause that was really, that was a lot. So, um, yeah, thank you for that. And thank you for seeing that opportunity to act like a human yeah, and to encourage that in others. Um, at one point you said um, you had to emotionally get stronger to be doing what you're doing. Um, and I wanted to ask you what that looked like for you. What are specific ways, again, specific, um, that you had to get emotionally stronger? And how did you decide to make those changes? It, I mean, it became necessary uh, in order to get the energy and the stamina to keep up with this type of lifestyle. I had to get emotionally and physically stronger. And for me, emotions has never been that easy to manage just because I've never really known what this meant. Like I didn't ever grow up and be like, Oh, I have a lot of feelings. Like, you know, it came out in different ways. And once I understood that I just have more empathy, um, I realized that like, I need to put them out in ways like, Hey, I need to have a morning routine and I have to exercise every day because I have more feelings. And the way to get them out is by having structure and um, getting them out in healthy ways. And then, I mean, just being able to feel that emotion in the moment versus waiting like a week or two and just like crashing. Um, I recognize I've always tried to like hide my emotions with people when I'm talking, but like it, it doesn't do any good for me. And while other people, either they appreciate or they get a little bit scared of the emotion. Um, so I, as I've been able to be in that present moment, I've gotten better at showing my emotion and my words versus my face. <laughs> gotcha. I like that. So uh, you've gotten more comfortable at just being real with your emotions and processing them in a healthy way. Yeah. And that's all right. Cool. Yeah. Um, all right. The, the last one I have for you, this might be the hardest one or it might not be, I'm not sure, but I'm going to phrase it just like I wrote it. Um, <laughs> after being in the system and learning about the deep corruption of it, you decided to run for mayor because you felt that was the best way to make some of the changes um, that you felt needed to be made. Um, making moral change instead of money or prestige was one mm-hmm. example that you gave. Um, is that roughly accurate paraphrasing of... Okay. Yes. Um, so again, specific, uh, what are a few of the things specifically you think might be the most significant ways that corruption manifests itself and how? 
in how corruption manifests itself in general in Raleigh? Um, that's a good, that's a good distinction. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I will let you decide how you'd want to like, whatever yeah. is the most important for you. I think a lot of corruption, especially in Raleigh, like people might not think of it as corrupt. Uh, how corruption manifests itself is where one group is benefiting off of something while that same benefit is harming another group. So, for example, like in Raleigh, you have, you know, politicians running on promises of affordable housing or equality, but then they're getting funded by luxury real estate developers. Like, for example, John Cade who has given tens and thousands of dollars to Trump. And me personally, um, to call someone who continuously is raising so much money for conservative politicians who have literally destroyed and destroyed the lives of marginalized communities, um, and then for him to be called a visionary in our city because he which he did, right? He transformed North Hills. Um, he's transformed areas, but they've been transformed for the rich. They have not been transformed for people, average working class families. Um, and then on top of that, a lot of those projects have had tax credits um, or used certain grants and money that was meant for low income development, low income communities oh, yeah. development. And then it was used for things like North Hills. Like that's corruption. It's utilizing the system that's meant for a greater impact or supposed to help certain communities to be used in a way where it does not do that and actually harms it. So um, basically making money off of the most vulnerable, like we're the ninth fastest gentrifying city in this country. And that has everything to do with the development of this, um, this city and who's developing and how we're developing. And just like, the greed and corruption that comes with it that's just manifested not here but everywhere like i i truly think all of the different moral crises we're facing right now is due completely due to, to to money and greed and it like life is just chaotic right now what we're seeing is no we've never seen this before in history um and not only is politics at an insane level the environment is like at an, a level we've never seen it before and i think it's like it's forcing us to act urgently, urgently, or at least trying to wake us up to do that. So, great. Was, yeah, I, got I one get specific. it. So, yeah, that's that, that was good. Um, okay. it was it was uh, it was a specific way that applies not just to Raleigh, but uh, mm -hmm. in a lot of places, but definitely specifically in Raleigh as well. Yeah. Um, I'm aware that uh, I think Matt, you said at the or between two clouds. What is it? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a person. <laughs> <laughs> you said at the beginning uh, that um, at the end, uh, Zainab, 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 yeah. sorry, could exactly. could kind of uh, have the platform to. So here you go. Yeah. So I think at this point, uh, usually we don't do this, but this might be more impactful if we do it with you. Uh, you can pretty much say whatever you want, uh, whatever you want people to hear, how people can't support you. You said you're going to run again for mayor in two years, so that starts pretty soon. How can they support Maybe. Right, right. Well, whatever you're planning <laughs> on doing, how can they get involved minus the, the normal things? Like, I think anybody listening to this podcast is going to understand you could just go vote after hearing the podcast. They understand that 
they can vote for you. They can understand all that. What's like the call to action through your platform of things they can really do mm-hmm. uh, if you want to? Yeah. I feel like you'd have well, a great Well, first you can follow me on social media at <laughs> zainabforali.com, the number four. Well, actually not .com, but like, you know. Z-A-I-N-A-B, number four, R-A-L-E-I-G-H. Yes. Instagram, Instagram. Twitter, Facebook, Medium, website. Um, but yes, of course you can vote. Um, I think <sighs> what... What's going to decide whether I win in two years is what our city looks like in two years. I'm hopeful that, you know, everything that our politicians ran on, that that happens. Um, however, I'm uh, a realist and there's that part of me that just feels like it's not going to. So I'm switching to organizing and I think the best way to get involved right now is to be part of that organizing, which means that we can be complacent in like, you know, things like city council meetings are boring. They're long. They're during the work day, but someone has to go to them. Someone has to keep up. So like, you know, following me on social media means that we're going to be posting these meetings. And at some point, like someone's going to have to sign up to like either do that or read some type of policy document. We have to stay aware of what's happening um, because it's not easy to. And it's even one of the things that I've been thinking about is being able to digest what's happening in city council in a way that's like, you know, on IGTV or something where people can just watch a video and know what's going on right. and be involved. There's something I just signed up for. It's called like 1440. Mm-hmm. It's based out of Chicago. Uh, and it's really shortened like news stories. How do you keep up with like popular science or what's happening in science, keeping up with what's happening in politics, keeping up with everything, but it's like really concise. Like for pop culture, they had uh, the Hunger Games actress. What is what is her name? Jennifer Lawrence. They said Jennifer Lawrence marries art creator. Blah blah blah, and that's it. Mm-hmm. There's nothing more to it. So it's like, oh, cool. I'm caught with pop culture. If I want to learn more about it, they have like a link. You could dive deeper if you want to. Uh, so you're saying essentially just a concise version that people can actually keep up with, as opposed to only so many people have to actually listen to all of it and digest all of it. If there was like a format that came out that could compile all that into a shorter thing, such as like this newsletter I signed up for, yeah, that's like a really good impact or something that could have a really good impact. Yeah. Um, making it easier, but understanding that they're still going to, you know, you're still going to have to stay engaged in some way. It's not going to be easy. Um, but that there are avenues. So like my next plan here um, and what I'm kind of looking to do is to expand um, YAP, um, the 501c4 that I created. And um, actually the technology part of it is we're looking um, right now on building an app on specifically like organizing, um, youth organizing. And so imagine like Instagram plus Slack. Um, so one aspect is people do things one, I mean, we just know like when you're more popular, when you get more likes, it, it fuels people. Um, but the biggest thing we've seen is people don't know how to organize off of that. Like, you know, you're like, all right, what does organizing mean? Okay. Well, it means, you know, you can use this template to create this, or you can read this book or you can read this document and then give your, um, thoughts over here, or you can attend this meeting, whatever that looks like. Um, and create that platform for people to 
engage and hit first locally and not focus on the national issues per se, but like figure out how those local issues that people care about nationally can be addressed um, locally. So, um, you know, if you're in the tech field, that's helpful. But on top of that, it's starting with just knowing um, what city council is, knowing and being aware of who your representative is, and then figuring out what issues you want to tackle. Because at the end of the day, like I said, it we're the ninth fastest gentrifying city in the country. Um, we have 100,000 people at the risk of homelessness. Um, we're getting our inequities are getting so much larger. Um, the number of children in Wake County schools um, increased that were homeless increased by 27% in two years. Those aren't random statistics. They're not like uncoordinated. It comes specifically from the corruption, the greed, the development. And we can, if we decide to, can develop in a way that's still morally okay and, and humane. But right now we're choosing not to because it just makes more money by yeah, now. Yeah, it makes less money to give a shit. Yeah. It's something I'm finding out the hard way we were talking about earlier. Yeah. I'm trying so to like everyone's action is to give a shit. That's pretty much <laughs> it. To give a shit. <laughs> That's the between two class verbiage of it. Yes. How about y'all just give a shit? Please. After this conversation, give a shit a little bit more. Care about people a little more. Take care of yourself. I actually think that should be your next campaign slogan. Give yeah. a shit. Please, yeah. Give a That's shit. Please. Give a shit, please. 2021. God, I would be real aggressive then. <laughs> yeah, maybe you should let somebody else. I'll say it for you. Right, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll own that one. <laughs> then you just package yourself better. You're like, I don't know where it came from. Exactly. Just every time I'm, oh my goodness, I'm happy to be that person. If you're like, you need somebody to just blame shit on, be like, yo, I need this said. <laughs> Call me up. Like, yo, I need this said right now, but like, obviously I can't. Like, gotcha. Yeah. You just blame it on me, like, oh, I, I agree with the idea, but I can't agree with what he said. Yeah, you could be that person. All right. Well, what you could do is you could spin it. You can say, "Give a wit," you know, it's a W -A -N, but have everybody understand what it means. So it's, Give a wit. <laughs> I will remember that. In I have no idea what that means, <laughs> personally. All right, cool. Well, thank you very much, uh, Zainab, for being here. Yeah. I hope this is enjoyable for you too. I think it was. this is really. We've done a lot of them. They've all been beautiful, and this one's been a totally different experience than every other one we've had. Yeah. So uh, it's been it's been beautiful, though. Oh, that's so cool! Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yay. Well, you, you came in with like you came in with like numbers and ideas, <laughs> and like like you came in with specifics. Like as soon as Ryan said specifics, it was like, here you go, here you go. I've got them all. I've got them all at a, like a hands. Like, I do. It was great. Also, one more one more shout out. Who's that? The real estate developer. <laughs> John Kane. John Kane. Fuck John Kane. Gosh. Fuck John Kane. Oh, Zainab does not agree with this. This is a between two clouds <laughs> statement. Fuck John Kane. No, I don't, I don't know John Kane. I don't know you, dude. If you hear this, let's have coffee. Let's chat. Let's figure out what's what's going on with you. Let's uh let's bring some humanity. That is a harsh ending. That is harsh <laughs> no, it's not. It's it's, no, a, it's a joke. Up, it's later up I mean, I genuinely don't know this person, so <laughs> yeah. who knows, right? Yeah, I should like, I should reach out to like him. You immediately support. turned it around. To but yeah, yeah I mean, you. dude, he might be cool. He, I might miss misunderstand him. You know, maybe. I know. I think as a person, he's he might he's, be fine. Who knows? He's like you know cordial and and a regular person. I don't think he's people, also like rich though. It's hard. Should, How mean can you be you for rich? Him to go swimming. Swimming, it's like as soon as everybody like pops that top off, like it's just all humility. Oh God, that's like, hey, John Quinn, you wanna go swimming? That's, oh my God, you should have a whole city council pool party. Ooh. Oh my goodness. At the like Sky House. Yeah. Oh, Yo, wow. I actually throw events there, so we can make that happen. 
That would be the best video ever. Oh my goodness. I, I will throw that event. Yeah, just let me know. Let's All make right. it happen. City Council, Sky House. Belly flop, belly flop contest. I won't be naked. I will wear clothing. You know, not a lot because it is a pool. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good whatever y'all are doing or whenever you're listening to this, people. Uh, we're done. We're out. Thank you.